listening to Living with ADHD and CPTSD, available on Apple and wherever you get your podcasts. CPTSD. Today's CPTSD episode, we are going to talk about the four F's, which is fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Something that many of us go through when it comes to complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, I'm going to read an article that is written by a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I'm not sure. I I. I believe he is a psychiatrist. Forgive me if I have completely got this wrong. Anyways, he is a MA, Pete Walker. His article is the four F's, a trauma typology in complex PTSD. So I'm going to just basically discuss about all the different um, F uh, responses that we have when it comes to trauma and danger. And then there's some mixtures as well. So um bear with me as we get through this and then i will discuss my own all right this paper describes a trauma typology for differentially diagnosing and treating complex post-traumatic stress disorder this model elaborates four basic defensive structures that develop out of our instinctive fight flight freeze and fawn responses to severe abandonment and trauma heretofore referred to as the four F's. Variances in the childhood abuse neglect pattern, birth order, and genetic predispositions result in individuals choosing and specializing in narcissistic fight, obsessive compulsive flight, dissociative freeze, or codependent fawn defenses. Many of my clients have reported that psychoeducation in this model has been motivational, deshaming, and pragmatically helpful in guiding their recovery. Individuals who experience good enough parenting in childhood arrive in adulthood with a healthy and flexible response repertoire to danger. In the face of real danger, they have appropriate access to all of their 4F choices. Easy access to the fight response ensures good boundaries, healthy assertiveness, and aggressive self-protectiveness if necessary. Untraumatized individuals are also easily and appropriately access their fight instinct, flight instinct and disengage and retreat when confrontation would exacerbate their danger. They also freeze appropriately and give up and quit struggling when further activity or resistance to futile or counterproductive is futile or counterproductive, excuse me. And finally, they also fawn in a liquid play-space manner and are able to listen, help, and compromise as readily as they assert and express themselves and their needs, rights, and point of view. Points of view. <clears throat> Those who are repetitively traumatized in childhood, however, often learn to survive by over-relying on the use of one or two of the 4F responses. Fixation in any one 4F response not only delimits the ability to access all the others, but also severely impairs the individual's ability to relax into an undefended state, 
circumscribing him in a very narrow, impoverished experience of life. Over time, a habitual 4F defense also serves to distract the individual from the accumulating unbearable feelings of her current alienation and unresolved past trauma. Complex PTSD as an attachment disorder. Polarization to a fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response is not only the developing child's unconscious attempt to obviate danger, but also a strategy to purchase some illusion or modicum of attachment. All four F types are commonly ambivalent about real intimacy because deep relating so easily triggers them into painful emotional flashbacks. Flashback management in the, okay, emotional, geez. emotional flashbacks are instant and sometimes prolonged regressions into the intense, overwhelming feeling states of childhood abuse and neglect. Fear, shame, alienation, rage, grief, and or depression. Habituated 4F defenses offer protection against further reabandonment hurts by precluding the type of vulnerable relating that is prone to reinvoke childhood feelings of being attacked, unseen, and unappreciated. Fight types avoid real intimacy by unconsciously alienating others with their angry and controlling demands for the unmet childhood need of unconditional love. <clears throat> Flight types stay perpetually busy and industrious to avoid potentially triggering interactions. Freeze types hide away in their rooms and reveres. And fawn types avoid emotional investment and potential disappointment by barely showing themselves, by hiding their helpful personas, over-listening, over-eliciting, and overdoing for the other, by giving service but never risking real self-exposure and the possibility of deeper level rejection. Here then are further descriptions of the 4F defenses with specific recommendations for treatment. All types additionally need and benefit greatly from the multidimensional treatment approach described in the article. <clears throat> and this describes 13 toxic superegoic processes of perfectionism and endangerment that it dominates the psyches of the four F types in varying ways. Okay, here we go. The fight type and the narcissistic defense. <clears throat> Excuse me. Fight types are unconsciously driven by the belief that power and control can create safety, assuage abandonment, and secure love. Children who are spoiled and given insufficient limits, a uniquely painful type of abandonment, and children who are allowed to imitate the bullying of a narcissistic parent may develop a fixated fight response to being triggered. These types learn to respond to their feelings and abandonment with anger and subsequently use contempt, a toxic amalgam of narcissistic rage and disgust, to intimidate and shame others into mirroring them and into acting as extensions of themselves. The entitled fight type commonly use, uses others as an audience for his inassessant monologizing, 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 there we go, excuse me guys, sorry, and may treat a captured freeze or fawn type as a slave or prisoner in a dominance submissious, submissive, submission relationship. Boy, I'm really struggling with these words. My apologies, people. 
Especially devolved fight types may become sociopathic, ranging along a continuum that stretches between corrupt politician and vicious criminal. Treatable fight types benefit from being psychoeducated about the prodigious price they pay for controlling others with intimidation. Less injured types are able to see how potential in intimates become so afraid and so revengeful of them that they cannot manifest the warmth or real liking the fight types so desperately desires. I have helped a number of fight types understand the following downward spiral of power and alienation. Excessive use of power triggers a fearful emotional withdrawal in the other, which makes the fight type feel even more abandoned and, in turn, more outraged and contemptuous, which then further distances the intimate, which in turn increases their rage and disgust, which creates increasing distance and withholding of warmth and ad infinitum. Fight types need to learn to notice and renounce their habit of instantly morphing abandonment feelings into rage and disgust. As they become more conscious of their abandonment feelings, they can focus on and feel their abandonment, fear, and shame without transmuting it into rage or disgust, and without letting grandiose overcompensations turn it into demandingness. Unlike the other four Fs, fight types assess themselves as perfect and project the inner critic's perfectionist processes onto others, guaranteeing themselves an endless supply of justifications to rage. Fight types need to see how their condescending moral high ground position alienates others and perpetuates their present time abandonment. Learning to self-initiated timeouts at the first sign of triggering is an invaluable tool for them to acquire. Timeouts can be used to accurately redirect the lion's share of their hurt feelings into grieving and working through their original abandonment, rather than displacing it destructively onto current intimates. Furthermore, like all 4F fixations, fight types need to become more flexible and adaptable in using the other 4F responses to perceive danger, especially the polar opposites and complementary fawn response described below. They can learn the empathy response of the fawn position, imagining how it feels to be the other, and in the beginning, fake it until they make it without real consideration for the other, without reciprocity and dialogically, dialogically, oh my God, simpler words to be honest. Okay, the real intimacy they crave will remain unavailable to them. The flight type and the obsessive compulsive defense. Flight types appear as if their starter button is stuck on the on position. They are obsessively and compulsively driven by the unconscious belief that perfection will make them safe and lovable. As children, flight types respond to their family trauma somewhere along a hyperactive continuum that stretches between the extremes of the driven A student and the ADHD dropout running amok. They relentlessly flee the inner pain of their abandonment and lack of attachment with the symbolic flight of constant busyness. When the obsessive compulsive flight type is not doing, she is worrying and planning about doing. Flight types are prone to becoming addicted to their own adrenalization, and many recklessly and regularly pursue risky and dangerous activities to keep their adrenaline high going. 
These types are also as susceptible to stimulating substance addictions as they are to their favorite process addictions, work, workaholism and busyholism. Severely traumatized flight types may devolve into severe anxiety and panic disorders. Many flight types are so busy trying to stay one step ahead of their plan that introspecting out loud in the therapy hour is the only time they find to take themselves seriously. While psychoeducation is important and essential to all the types, flight types particularly benefit from it. Nowhere is this truer than in the work of learning to deconstruct their over-identification with the perfectionistic demands of their inner critic. Gently and repetitively confronting denial and minimization about the costs of perfectionism is essential, especially with workaholics who often admit their addiction to work but secretly hold it, is, hold it as a badge of pride and superiority. Deeper work with flight types, as with all types, gradually opens them to grieving their original abandonment and all its commit, concomitant losses. Egocentonic crying is an unparalleled tool for shrinking the obsessive perseverations of the critic and for ameliorating ameliorating the habit of compulsive rushing. As recovery progresses, flight types can acquire a gearbox that allows them to engage life at a variety of speeds, including neutral. Flight types also benefit from using many minute meditations to help them identify and deconstruct their habitual running. I teach such clients to sit comfortably, systemically, relax, breathe deeply and diaphragmatically and ask themselves questions such as, why is my most important priority right now? Or what is, excuse me, and when more time is available? Or when more time is available? What hurt am I running from right now? Can I open my heart to the idea and image of soothing myself in my pain? Finally, there are numerous flight types who exhibit symptoms that may be misperceived as cyclothymic bipolar disorder. I address this issue at length in this article that he has written. The freeze type and dissociative defense. Many freeze types unconsciously believe that people and danger are synonymous and that safety lies, lies in solitude. Outside of fantasy, many give up entirely on the possibility of love. The freeze response, also known as the camouflage response, often triggers the individual into hiding, isolating, and eschewing human contact as much as possible. This type can be so frozen in retreat mode that it seems as if their starter button is stuck in the off position. It is usually the most profoundly abandoned child the lost child who is forced to choose and habituate to the freeze response. The most primitive of the four Fs. Unable to successfully employ flight, fight, flight, or fawn responses, the freeze types defensive develop around defenses develop around classical dissociation, which allows him to disconnect from experiences of his abandonment pain and protects him from risky social interactions any of which might trigger feelings of being re-abandoned. Freeze types often present as ADD. They seek refuge and comfort in prolonged bouts of sleep, daydreaming, wishing, and right brain dominant activities like TV, computer, and video games. 
They master the art of changing the internal channel whenever, whenever inner experience becomes uncomfortable. When they are especially traumatized or triggered, they may exhibit a schizoid-like detachment from ordinary reality. There are at least three reasons why freeze types are the most difficult for F defense to treat. First, their positive relational experiences are few, if any, and they are therefore extremely reluctant to enter the relationship with therapy. Moreover, those who manage to overcome this reluctance often spook easily and quickly terminate. Second, they are harder to psychoeducate about trauma basis of their complaints because, like many fight types, they are unconscious of their fear and their torturous inner critic. Also, like the fight type, the freeze type tends to project the perfectionistic demands of the critic onto others rather than the self, and uses the imperfections of others as justification for isolation. The critic's process of perfectionism and endangerment, extremely unconscious in freeze types, must be made conscious and deconstructed as described in detail in my aforementioned article on shrinking the inner critic. Third, even more than workaholic fight flight types, freeze types are in denial about the life-narrowing consequences of their singular adaptation. Because the freeze response is on a continuum that ends with the collapse response, the extreme abandonment of consciousness seen in prey animals about to be killed, many appear to be able to self-medicate by releasing the internal opioids that the animal brain is programmed to release when danger is so great that death seems imminent. The opioid production of the collapse or extreme freeze response can only take the individual so far, however, and these types are therefore prone to sedating substance addictions. Many self-medicating types are often drawn to marijuana and narcotics, while others may gravitate towards ever-escalating regimes of antidepressants and anxiolytics. Moreover, when they are especially unremediated and unattached, they can devolve into increasing depression and worst-case scenarios into the kind of mental illness described in the book, I Never Promised You a Rose Garden. Okay, I'm going to take a break, and then when I come back, we will continue with this article and discussion on the four Fs. The Fawn Type and Codependent Defense Fawn types seek safety by merging with the wishes, needs, and demands of others. They act as if they unconsciously believe that the price of admission to any relationship is the forfeiture of all their needs, rights, preferences, and boundaries. They often begin life like the precious children described in Alice Miller's The Drama of the Gifted Child, who learn that a modicum of safety and attachment can be gained by becoming to the helpful and compliant servants of their parents. They are usually the children of at least one narcissistic parent who uses contempt to press them into service, scaring and shaming them out of developing a healthy sense of self, an egoic locus of self-protection, self-care, and self-compassion. This dynamic is explored at length in his East Bay Therapist article from January, February 2003, Codependency, Trauma, and the Fawn Response. 
go to peatwalker.com to check it out. Fawn types typically respond well to being psychoeducated in this model. This is especially true when the therapist persists in helping them recognize and renounce the repetition compulsion that draws them to narcissistic types who exploit them. Therapy also naturally helps them to shrink their characteristic listening defense as they are guided to widen and deepen their self-expression. I have seen numerous inverterate codependents finally progress in their assertiveness and boundary making work when they finally got that even the thought of expressing a preference or need triggers an emotional flashback of such intensity that they completely dissociate from their knowledge and of and ability to express what they want role-playing assertiveness in session and attending to this stultifying inner critic processes its triggers helps the codependent build a healthy ego this is especially true when the therapist interprets witnesses and validates how the individual as a child was forced to put to death so much of her individual self. Grieving these losses further potentiates the developing ego. Trauma hybrids. There are of course few pure types. Most trauma survivors are hybrids of the four Fs. There are for instance, three subsets of the fawn type. The fawn fight, the smothering mother type, who can coercively or manipulatively takes care of others, whose smother loves them into conforming with her view of who they should be. The fawn flight type who workaholically makes herself useful to others, the model secretary in the vein of her favorite role model, Mother Teresa, and the fawn freeze type who numbingly surrenders herself to scapegoating or to a narcissistic's needs to have a target for his rageaholic releases, the classic domestic violence victim. Space in this article only allows for the description of two other common hybrids, the fight fawn and the flight freeze. The fight fawn, perhaps the most relational hybrid, the most susceptible to love addiction, combines two opposite but magnetically attracting polarites, polara, polarities of relational style, narcissism and codependence. This defense is sometimes misdiagnosed as borderline because the individual's flashbacks trigger a panicky sense of abandonment and a desperation for love that causes her to dramatically split back and forth between fighting and clawing for love and cunningly or flatteringly groveling for it. This type of difference than the fawn fight in that the narcissistic defense is typically more in ascendancy. The fight fawn hybrid is also distinct from a more common condition where an individual acts like a fight type in one relationship while fawning in another. The archetypal henpecked husband who is a tyrant at work and from the many nice, mildly codependent people who have critical masses where they will eventually get fed up and blow up about injustice and exploitation. The borderline like fight fawn type, however, may dramatically vacillate back and forth between those these two styles many times in a single interaction. The flight freeze type is the least re relational and most schizoid hybrid. This type avoids his feelings and potential relationship re-traumatization with an obsessive compulsive dissociative two-step that severely narrows his existence. 
the flight freeze cul-de-sac is more common among men, especially those traumatized for being vulnerable in childhood and those who subsequently learned to seek safety in isolation or intimacy light relationships. Many non-alpha male type males gravitate to the combination of flight and freeze defensiveness stereotypical of the information technology nerd. The computer addict who workaholically focuses for long periods of time and then drifts off dissociatively in, into computer games. Many sex addicts also combine flight and freeze in a compulsive pursuit of a sexual pseudo-intimacy. When in flight mode, they obsessively scheme to get sex and or compulsively pursue and or engage in it. When in freeze mode, they drift off into a right brain sexual fantasy world that is often fueled by an addictive use of pornography and even during real-time sexual interaction. They often engage more with their idolized fantasy partners than with their actual partner. Self-assessment. Readers may find it informative to self-assess their own hierarchical, hier hierarchical use of the 4F responses. They can try to determine their dominant type and hybrid and think about what percentage of their time is spent in each type of 4F activity. Finally, all 4Fs progressively recover from the multidimensional wounding of complex PTSD as mindfulness of learned trauma dynamics increases, as a critic shrinks, as association decreases, as childhood losses are effectively grieved, as the healthy ego matures into a user-friendly manager of the psyche, as the life narrative becomes more egocentric, as emotional vulnerability creates authentic experiences of intimacy, and as good enough space safe attachments are attained. Furthermore, it is also important to emphasize that recovery is not an all or none phenomenon, but rather a gradual one marked by decreasing frequency, intensity, and duration of flashbacks. There we go. Okay, so the only thing, like, the majority of this is, is dead on in my, or spot on, not dead on, spot on in my opinion. The only thing that I am not fully agreeing with is the method that the ego part of this. Um, I think the more effective method of healing and recovery is the, this, this, this Structural dissociation theory, excuse me, I had to think about it for a second. My brain kind of went blank there. That's, in my opinion, is a more effective and more positive way of healing from complex PTSD because you have a part. The ego is a part and you don't want to tell this part that it's wrong, that it's incorrect that it's thinking and that its beliefs are in, are wrong you want to show this part that the life that you have today is safe and secure and that his purpose in your life was to protect you and keep you out of danger and he's done that and that you thank him for his work and that he is no longer required to protect you as a, you as the adult can do that protecting on your own. That's the difference. I don't fully agree with the whole ego part of this uh, when it comes to therapy work, but everybody has their own opinions, of course. So 
that's just up to you, I guess. But I think that um, doing the structural dissociation theory method is a much more effective and much more healthier way of doing your work and recovering from the trauma. Anyway, uh, okay, so here are a few examples of different responses. So there's the flight, freeze, fight, and fawn. So here are some examples of responses. So flight responses, burying yourself in writing articles, work, phone calls, busyness, exercise, writing to the cabinet, and instinctually eating sweets or snacks for comfort food. Physically fleeing a space and hiding someplace I feel less vulnerable, in the bathroom, the car, or in extreme distress, cases under a bed, under a desk, running from relationships and people getting close to me, ghosting them, replying late, and so on, delaying and ignoring or ignoring difficult conversations. So that's your flight responses. Freeze responses. Getting stuck watching TV but not absorbing what's happening. Not being able to say anything to do something with someone I am in conflict with. Being afraid to do anything other than my exactly normal routine because I am frozen into a low-risk maintenance state. Getting stuck in a physical position I do not intend to for extended periods of time. Being passive, having no emotions, feeling voiceless, feeling overwhelmed but immobile. Dissociating, experiencing derealization and depersonalization. There, yeah. Fight responses. Yelling at someone. Feeling adrenaline race through my body. Wanting to crush, smash, destroy, slam. Picking fights with people or imagining conflict which keeps them from getting close with me. Insulting other people. Trying to dominate or control other people. Fawn responses. Obsessively studying other people's interests so I can be useful to them. Hoping to get people to like me so they won't hurt me. Trying to be an excellent gift giver. Anticipating others' needs in advance. Being some subservient when I am frightened. Dressing in ways that I think will make me most appealing or acceptable to others, or will most allow me to have power over them. And then performing social duties that I understand to be ideal or safe relating to my social roles. All right. So, yeah, like, we all have normal like a, a okay a neurotypical who doesn't have cptsd or trauma related um, injuries from childhood or adolescence we all have proper flight fight responses we also have can have freeze and fawn responses as well but our brain and our lives with our history is healthy enough that we are able to recover and continue on in our day to day. Now, remember how I spoke in an article, uh, I think it was one or two shows earlier, um, where I was discussing how there's the window of tolerance. So yeah, that was a couple episodes ago where you have, hyper and hypo arousal so you go up and down and if you suddenly get a, a certain situation that is alarming to the to you that you can go in a kind of like a wave so you get the hyper arousal and then the hypo arousal but you don't go you don't touch the edges of the window it's you're in the middle and then you're able to recover 
and settle in and be and back to a normal state. Whereas people with CPTSD often go past that window and stay up there in an on switch for a length of time and then go all the way down to the opposite into an off switch for a length of time, like dissociating, uh, rage, like super vigilance. So it works in with that. And like I said, a, a person who has uh, is healthy, no, no signs of trauma from their past can go into a wave like kind of situation but then they are able to once the once the the situation has passed that they're able to recover and go back to a day a typical day and not not have any trauma or any flashbacks to that situation someone who of course has cptsd and gets flashbacks and triggers they're going to every time they have a situation like that they're going to get triggered and they're going to stay out of that window of tolerance and they're going to have and, and it's going to take them a very long time and do a lot of self-work to recover and try to feel normal but they're going to have flashbacks whenever something that reminds them of that of the situation that just occurred appears in them and either in a verbal or a an a like a audio wave um a visual or touch, you know, or sensation. There's all the different ways that it can reconnect and re-trigger them and feeling that flashback to that trauma. So that is something that is very normal. And if you have, if you're dealing with a therapist, you can discuss that with them, both the window of tolerance and the four F's, the flight, fight, freeze, and fawn responses with CPTSD. Now myself, when I've been looking at these kind of the, the four F's and my, my two that I have a tendency to, to deal with is the freeze and the fawn response. Now, I would say the majority, it, it's, it's hard to necessarily have an overwhelming majority. It's, they're pretty close to even, um, like I do often have a freeze situation where I'm spacing out, um, I isolate, I'm dissociating, brain fog, I have difficulties making decisions when I'm overwhelmed and I'm triggered, or I'm melting down from like a, the autism. And um, I also have situations where I am kind of like you could say a people pleaser. Um, I, I try to think about what I'm going to say and avoid saying things that could that could bring potential conflict. Um, you know, having a hard time standing up for myself, saying no, uh, like concerned with social standing, but sometimes I'm not necessarily that way. And it is, those are the two that tend, to, that I always tend to have occurring when I'm getting when I'm starting to get stressed and I'm starting to have that overwhelmed feeling and I'm, especially with my ADHD, I'm way more susceptible to a lot of these because of the fact that I have such an impulsive state, you know, like I'm, I'm, I am an inattentive ADHD diagnose diagnosis, but I do have a bit of impulsiveness that is still in me that reacts to this. So sometimes I can say things without thinking about it. And, and get myself into trouble, which causes 
the person to react strongly and in an angered state of or, or way and then of course i either freeze like I, t- I tend to freeze and dissociate or or stop talking and just kind of get stuck and then i could also at times have done where i try to do the fawning where i'm i try to you know play the victim or i'm trying to, to say oh i can do this let me do that for you i want to fix it you know like the, you're, you're trying to accommodate for what you've done and you want to try to make it better instead of necessarily listening and acknowledging what they've been saying to you and often if i could just and i'm getting better at it but if i could just learn to more often when a situation gets hectic and someone's upset at me because of something that I have done or said I do need to improve the ability to be calm and be like grounded and do something like acknowledge the person's feelings and and understand what they are going through due to that action and then make an apology and just be better at listening and focusing on what they're talking about. It is difficult when you have the CPTSD because if, especially if you're in a hypervigilant state, you're like, you're more likely to react and suddenly become triggered and then get into that freeze state where you just really can't do anything. Now, I have on a few times I have done flight the flight response um, sometimes I get I get worried or I panic about it or I get or I have a lot of anxiety relating to the situation that's coming up in the future or that could be happening and there have been times where instead of even getting to that possibility of it occurring I run away or avoid it altogether because I um, I wasn't very comfortable or, and too scared to even deal with the possibility of the negative response that was occurring. And unfortunately, that is, it, that's definitely not something that you want to, uh, to happen, of course, because that's another sign of, of trauma and being triggered and then getting blended with your system. So, uh, yeah, I... When I'm looking at these different responses, like the freeze responses, um, they, it's very true. Um, I was reading the ones like watching the TV and not absorbing anything. That is actually something that I have had happen a lot. I will, I will like turn on the movie, or I'm turning on a like a TV show, and it it's strange, but it's just like the TV show will end. And I literally really have no memory of that episode. Like I, I, I don't remember anything about it. You know, you're going, oh, it's over. And then you go, hmm, I don't remember anything about that episode. And you kind of think about it and you sit there and you go, that's odd. And it's because I dissociated, you know, I'm zoning out. I'm, I'm not really paying attention. And that is actually, that was something that has been quite common. It does occasionally happen still. Um, Sometimes I get so distracted by other things like my phone or my tablet or, or something is going on around me that I tend to get 
I lose interest in what I'm watching and then you're done. And before you know it, you, just, you don't even remember what you watched. Uh, let's see, not being able to say anything. Okay. Yeah, that, that sometimes occurs where I'm not able to say or do something with someone who's I'm in conflict with because you, you want to avoid any possible um, anger or frustration from that person. And um, being passive and having no emotions, feeling voiceless, overwhelmed, and immobile, I have heard that occur a, a number of times in the past and recently as well. And then, of course, the dissociating and the derealization and depersonalization. Yeah, that, that definitely has happened with me. And then with the fawn responses that I read out earlier, um, I am, I do try to anticipate others' needs, but that usually is incorrect. Uh, although I am very intuitive, so sometimes I do tend to get that right. And I do my, so when performing social duties, I definitely uh, try to be ideal or safe relating to the roles. Like I, I don't try to push my boundaries or go beyond what I feel is comfortable or what is safe that I think people are going to respect and like. And I, it's very, I'm not a very good, uh, are not very good at taking risks when it comes to social situations because I'm too scared to upset them and and have them walk away from me. Yeah. So if any of you, like, I'm going to put this, the two articles that I have read here, I'm going to put on my episode in the, in the main screen, or main area of the information on it. If... You're not as familiar with this and you definitely want to take a look. I definitely recommend you read the article yourself as well. And then you can check it out, see what you see what you feel you fit into the best out of the four. And maybe you've got a like a hybrid like myself. Like I've got a I've got the freeze fawn responses or hybrid that I tend to do. There's you, you there's a good chance that you have a hybrid too. And you're not likely gonna be just one of the four. All right, everybody, that is today's episode. Um, this was an interesting article, and I have briefly discussed this earlier, but today was a good time to focus solely on the four Fs, the fight, flight, freeze, and fawn responses in a triggered state with CPTSD. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. If you would like to contact me, if you have any comments, uh, suggestions, or if you just want to say hello, you can reach me at on Twitter. My handle is at ADHD and CPTSD. Um, I am often on, so you can get a hold of me, and I would be more than happy to respond and have a chat. Or even even if you wanted to be a, a guest on the show, that is, I am more than open to doing that. I think that would be a lot of fun. I have had guests on in the past. My website is www.livingwithadhdandcptsd.ca. Please check it out. There's a lot of valuable information, and all my past episodes are on there. Of course, my episode is on Apple and and um, Spotify and Google and iHeart. All the, all the major channels have my podcast as well. So, you know, 
you can if you if there, if there's anybody who you who you think could benefit greatly from these episodes, tell them about it. Um, tell them that they're on any of the po- of the platforms, so they're easy. It's easy to find, and just have them look for the name of the podcast. If you th- would like to donate and help me maintain my show, you can go to ko-fi.com slash living with ADHD and CPTSD and you can do a monthly donation or you could do a one-time donation which both would be very appreciative and if you really like this show and you really think it's benefiting yourself or you think it could benefit others let them know show them the show have them listen to some episodes and I think they really would like the the show I've got a lot of people who are big fans of this show and really find my episodes and my podcast very informative and very helpful. Okay, that's it for today. I will talk to you guys next week. Have fun, guys. Bye.